One of my favorite movies growing up It's not Replacements. I'm sorry, Haley. I see that reaction. It's not the Replacements this time, but was a movie that um, kind of got mentioned to me by my dad because he watched the show when he was younger. In the early 90s, they came out with Little Rascals movie. And if you've ever seen The Little Rascals, then you kind of know the premise. It's a group of guys, and they're, they're in a clubhouse together, and their club is called the He-Man Woman Haters Club. And there's one rule in the He-Man Woman Haters Club. No girls allowed. And as the movie progresses, you, you see that all of a sudden, as young boys do, they, they find themselves meeting girls and then getting in relationships and they're trying to hide it from their friends because they, they still want to be a part of the club. And then they start to realize that each and every one of them is hiding it. And they say, well, maybe, maybe we should welcome the girls to be a part of it since each and every one of us has a girlfriend at this point. And as I, I, I rewatched that movie recently, I started thinking about this letter from Paul to the Galatians where what is happening and what he's trying to shed light on to the church is this. That there are people that are, that are creating rules in order to keep other people out. And mind you, in this particular instance, the rule is this. If you want to be a part of us, you must be circumcised. That's, that's kind of their going rule that he's addressing over and over again. Which, just a quick little side note, what does that tell you? In order to be a part of the church, you have to be circumcised, which means no girls allowed. Just going to put it out there. And, and, and so what Paul is addressing is saying, you've missed the mark. You've started kind of pursuing a different way because what you're, what you're promoting is good news for people that are inside of the church, but, but for those outside, they, there's no way in which they can get in. And, and as we heard last week, what he starts to point out is, is the law by which you're telling people they must uphold is cursing you because not even you can uphold all the rules and regulations that you put in place. And last week we heard from Paul that it's only through Christ's redemption and saving grace that any of us are able to come and be present in his presence. And today Paul is going to continue that argument because I just want to remind you that uh, this was a letter. And so Paul didn't write it chapter numbers and verses and say, all right, so read this and then go and later read this. But this is all one continued letter. And so Paul is kind of doubling down on his argument, if you will. And so in Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 23, he says, before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come. We are no longer under the supervision of the law. Now I just want to pause right there because what he's ultimately saying is this. 
is the rules and regulations are the guidelines, if you will. The law is the guidelines that are called to help lead people to God. That's what he's saying when he says they're, they're put in place that they, it might lead us to Christ. It might reveal Christ to us. But then he says that line that says, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Which is not to say that we're a lawless people. It's not to say that, that anything goes, and he'll flesh that out in the later chapters. But he points out why. That's the case. And, and, and Jesus pointed out why that was the case when he was on earth, when he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so Paul goes on, and beginning in verse 26, he says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are from Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so Peter, or Paul rather, draws them back to the promise that was made to Abraham, to the covenant that was made to Abraham, where we saw that Abraham's faith made him righteous. And he says, you are justified through your faith. Look at, at verse 27, where he says, it's not about this or that, it's not about circumcision or non-circumcision. What it's about is have you been baptized in the Spirit, welcomed into the family? Have you encountered the risen Lord? And in verse 24, where he starts talking about this, the law is the disciplinarian, or, or, or the law was put in charge. The actual word there would be pedagogy, which was a slave to a Greek or Roman wealthy family that would help raise the children. And the children were entrusted to their care and discipline. It was kind of like a nanny in our modern day culture. They were in charge and they raised the kids until they reached adulthood. And so Paul's metaphor here suggests that the authority of the law is temporary. It lasts until fulfillment of the promise through Christ. And, and so what it is, is it's, it is pointing us to Jesus Christ. It's kind of like if you're going on vacation, you get behind the wheel of the car, you abide by the rules of the road until you get to where you're going. And then guess what? When you get to Gulf Shores, all of a sudden the speed limit in Forest, Mississippi doesn't really matter for that moment anymore, does it? And I'm not saying that we just throw out the law, but what he's saying is that when we see Jesus Christ, we are called to follow the example set through Jesus Christ. As we see Jesus show us how to live. And what Paul is pointing out and what he hammers home in verses 26 through 29 is this. That for many of them in that world, they are using the law, their own understandings, and, and as he's already kind of laid out, their own ways of thinking to create reasons to divide them from the other people. 
You hear it in the Gospels too, where they, where they pray, thank God I'm not like that lowly Gentile. And so what Paul is pointing them to is to say, stop using the law. Stop using what you think you know to create barriers and earthly divides between you and people. Because what he's already hammered home and what he's going to continue to harp on is this. The good news is only good news if it's good news for all people in all places. And here's the problem with that, that a lot of us would say, well, God came, Jesus came to die to save me, but those people, and therefore it's not good news for them. And I think we can all agree that we're here this morning for one reason, because the grace of Jesus Christ is good news. I'm going to repeat that because I didn't even get an amen, and I thought for sure somebody would at least give me a head nod. The grace of Jesus Christ is good news. And it's, a, it's good news that needs to be shared. If you get the paper in your driveway this morning and you open it up, I'm sure that you can find 800 things of bad news, of things that's going on in the world. What would it look like if you opened up your paper and the first thing said, God loves you. God forgives you. And God desires to be, for you to be a part of his family. You see, so often we look around the world and we go, how did the world get so far away from God? It's because we, the church, we see it in Galatians, we see it all throughout history, started promoting worldly ideals as opposed to proclaiming God's love, grace, and mercy to a world that is broken and in need of God's grace, love, and mercy. We started creating reasons to divide ourselves instead of saying, you know what? We're all sinners in need of God's grace, and that should be the one thing that unites us as we all come to the foot of the cross. Professing. I've gotten it wrong. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. This is my confession time. Me. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'd never be made whole. Yet, for some reason, over and over through Scripture, over and over through history, we start defining people as unworthy. And we start casting them off and saying, oh, well, they're not redeemable. They, they just keep going back to doing the same thing over and over. And I just thank God that Jesus doesn't think that way. Because I can just imagine Jesus Sitting there going, well, you know, I've prayed for that kid enough. And he just keeps doing what he's going to do. I give up. He's not worth it. That guy, he just keeps falling short. And I keep telling him what to do, but he doesn't listen. And so I just give up. And this is what we as the church do. We wouldn't say that. But we just go, ah, throw my hands up. Give up hope. Leave people outside. I give up. And then when Paul lays out this no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, well, yes, he's talking about the breaking down of barriers that society has put up. What he's really pointing to is this. In the Babylonian Talmud, there is a blessing that Jewish men would have recited every morning when they woke up. And it goes like this. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for not creating me 
a Gentile. Thank you, God, for not creating me a slave. And yes, thank you, God, for not creating me a woman. This is the blessing that the Jewish people would rise and say, the Jewish men, every morning. And now, I'm going to go ahead and put this disclaimer out there. I am not sure, and this is a chicken or egg situation, I'm not sure which came first, this letter or that blessing. And so, this prayer may not predate Paul, but what it does do is show the power that these categories that we create can hold over us. And Paul is dismantling this idea of identity and boundary markers that the world would put on us. And not only is Paul doing it through this letter, but Jesus Christ is still doing it today in a world that is probably as divided, if not more divided, than it was in Paul's day. Jesus is is revealing to us, saying, stop looking at what divides and start looking at what brings us together, which is My love, grace, and salvation. We have divisions everywhere we look. People telling us, well, we don't associate with those folks. We don't do this. We don't do that. Oh, do you know what kind of people they are? And we have divisions. Ethnicity, socio-ecological, gender. The one that, well, let's just call a spade a spade, sexual orientation, ideology, politics. We have all these things that the world says, divide, divide, divide. And what Paul is saying is this, that we can create all the categories we want. But here's the thing, each and every one of us is in the need of God's love, grace, and mercy. And that should be what brings us together. Period. That we can create, and I'll I'll be honest with you, some of these walls we have created ourselves, and some of these walls we have inherited, and we don't even realize they've been created in our own world and in our own culture. And so we need God to open our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds to reveal to us those prejudices that we have created in our own self or inherited and strengthen us to help knock them down. Because what Paul is saying is this, all human categories, every one of them, is subordinate and irrelevant to our primary identity, which is in Jesus Christ. That when somebody asks you, hey, who are you? That the first thing that should come to their mind is Christian. And then you can be male, female, whatever you want to be. You can be black, white, whatever you want to be. But the primary characteristic is this, we are Christians. And as we've been singing week after week, they will know we are Christians by our love. Not by the division. Not by the ways in which we separate ourselves, but by the ways in which we share that love, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ. By the ways in which we seek unity to be one in the Spirit. You see, Jesus, because we're going to use Jesus as our example, I feel like that's a pretty good example to follow. Jesus, over and over, is told things like, oh, Jesus, we don't don't talk to that woman at the well. She's a woman. She's she's promiscuous. We don't talk to her, Jesus. That'll make you unclean. 
The rules say we can't do that. Oh, Jesus, don't touch that dead body to raise it from the dead because that will make you unclean. Oh, Jesus, we don't associate with those lepers around here. But over and over again, what does Jesus do? He errs on the side of love, grace, and mercy. And he says, I know what the rules say, but we need to be united as a people seeking to see people brought back to life, see people healed, see people forgiven, see people welcomed into community. Now, don't mishear me. Paul doesn't say the labels disappear. But what he does say is this, that our earthly labels are irrelevant because our primary definer is this, Christ. We're all sinners in need of God's love. And and what he's pointing them to and what we need to hear is this, when we label, when we categorize, when we try to find reasons to push people out, what it really shows is our own personal spiritual immaturity. Because somehow we start to deem that we're worthy of it, but they're not. And what happens as you grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ, as you start to encounter him, as you get closer to Jesus Christ and his light shines greater in your life, you know what happens? your imperfections become more glaring for you. And so what a lot of us do is we go, yeah, I entered into a relationship, but I'm going to stay back here for a minute so that people don't see my imperfections, but as people get closer, I'm going to go, ha-ha, look at yours. But, but it's kind of like a triangle. If I'm here and you're here and we're both seeking Jesus who's here, what happens if we start going closer to Jesus Christ? Oh, heaven forbid, we start getting closer to each other. We start caring for one another. We start start not worrying so much about what the world tells us we're supposed to do, but by following the example of Jesus Christ as we are pursuing him first. And so Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying, It's not about circumcision, but it's about baptism in the Spirit where all people are welcome to do that. All people are welcome to come be a part of the faith of Jesus Christ. All people, because we now have the example in Christ, are welcomed in. And what he's pointing them to is that there are so many reasons and ways that we can divide ourselves. There just are. And if there's not enough, we can create more, can't we? I mean, let's just be honest. All the division in our world, all the division in our church, all the division in our families, we can find reasons to to divide ourselves. But what he's saying is this. We must choose first to be united in Jesus Christ. In love, grace, and mercy. Because here's the thing. The call to be one in the Spirit is this. We live in a world that says they need Jesus. I I live in a world that says I need Jesus. So here's the thing. If we need Jesus and they need Jesus, my prayer is that we become a church that gives them Jesus. Not gives them, figure it out and then come to us, but gives them this good news. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. 
You're, you're welcomed into the family. And as you encounter and welcome, come into the family, then you can start to grow in relationship of Jesus Christ. And as you grow in relationship of Jesus Christ, then your life starts to change. And then you become the person that God created you to be. And then you get to go out and share it with, with other people. And then we see the family grow. Do you see how this works? This is what Paul is pointing them to. They're living in a world much like ours where they could go, well, the church is dying, and the reason the church is dying is because we're finding more and more reasons to keep people out of the church instead of opening our doors wide and saying, come in, find Jesus, and let's figure it out together. So we live in a world where we need Jesus, they need Jesus. So church, let's go give them Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.